Welcome back to another episode of the Homeschool CEO Podcast. I am excited you are here, and today you are in for a special treat. In today's episode, I had the privilege of interviewing best-selling author and and fellow homeschool CEO, Dr. Zara Fagan, and you are going to love it as we talk about how Zara applies a CEO mindset as she and her husband run multiple successful businesses all while homeschooling their four kids. We also talk about how she prioritizes her time so that she's only focusing on what's the best use of her time for this season. Finally, we talk about how you too can apply a minimalist mindset to homeschooling, regardless of what method of homeschooling you use, so that you too can run your business and homeschool at the same time. You, my friend, are in for a treat today. Enjoy. Welcome to the Homeschool CEO Podcast, the podcast dedicated to entrepreneurs who want to successfully homeschool their kids while running a profitable business. In this podcast, we'll reveal the truth of what it really looks like behind the scenes of an entrepreneur who homeschools and how to make it all work. If you're an entrepreneur who currently homeschools or you want to start, you are in the right place, my friend. With 16 years experience combining entrepreneurship with homeschooling, I'm your host, Jen Myers, and this is the Homeschool CEO Podcast. Zara, thank you for being on the podcast today. It is an honor to have you here. Please take a moment and introduce yourself. Let our audience know who you are a little bit more about you. All right. Thank you for so much for having me, Jen. I am Zara Fagan, and I am the author of Minimalist Homeschooling, and I'm a mother of four. I've been homeschooling since the beginning, and my kids are ages now four through 12. And my husband and I are entrepreneurs, so we run businesses together alongside homeschooling our kids. And um, I'm just so happy to be here. And I love what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm so excited. So just to give everybody a little bit of a backstory, I first read the book and I remember telling my husband, oh my goodness, there's somebody else who homeschools like me. And so I really want to approach this today for all of you entrepreneurs who are listening, who are thinking either there's no way I can homeschool because it takes eight hours a day, or they're so overwhelmed, or you're, you're an entrepreneur right now who's really struggling. Like, I really want you to speak to them right now. Like, what would you tell them as far as from minimalist homeschooling? How can they make this work? Right. So I think a backstory is a great place to start. So I, for one... You know, I've been an entrepreneur with my husband since before we had children. Um, I left my career around 2005. And then when we had kids, I had no intention of homeschooling. (laughs) But then I ended up doing it and it turned out to be this great thing for my children. I, on the other hand, was swamped. I was overwhelmed. I was doubtful. I was never sure if I was doing enough. I was never sure if I was doing it right. And I, you know, was having these mini breakdowns on a regular basis, (laughs) which I think a lot of homeschoolers can relate to and entrepreneurs for that matter. And, you know, those are the moments when you get real about with yourself about what's working and what's not. And so often it's such a mindset issue. And I realized that the intentionality that I was applying to our business, I was not applying to our homeschool. Somehow I had entered homeschooling without a process, without a system, without a filter. It was suddenly I had to do all the things all the time and try to keep up with everybody. And I think when you're an entrepreneur, 
the beautiful thing about being a homeschooler and an entrepreneur is that we can bring our mindset, our business mindset into the homeschool. And that's when the magic happens. And so when I started doing that and looking at, you know, what makes the biggest impact with my time? How do I spend my time most valuably? Is that a word? How can I be, (laughs) how can I use my time in the most valuable way? Right. Instead of trying to do all the things, because you think about in our businesses, if we were all trying to do all the things for all the niches, for all the people who ever called us, we would feel overwhelmed and swamped too. And so I think that would be my first piece of advice. If you are an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, if you have any mind for sort of processes and filtering things and having an hierarchy of priorities, feel free to transfer that mindset to your homeschool because everybody will thrive once you're confident in spending your time where it's most valuable. I love that. Yes. And that I was in the same boat as you. I think that's why when I read your book, I was like, oh my goodness, this woman speaks my language because (laughs) I was a very reluctant homeschooler because I was an entrepreneur and I, Mm -hmm. we chose to do it kind of as a last resort because it was the best thing for our kids at that time. Right. Same thing. I went through the same deal where I was just overwhelmed and doing all the things. And then when I started applying my business mindset and my business strategy to homeschooling, it started working. So one of the things that is really unique to you is when you pick out what you call the majors and the minors, so that we, to give us kind of a frame of reference on how to choose what to teach and what's important. Can you talk a little more on that? Sure. So that's sort of my homeschooling language for prioritizing is that I suggest that for each season and every family has their own sort of seasons in their homeschool. So for some people, it's a semester. For some people, it's a quarter. It might be six weeks, nine weeks, 12 weeks, you know, around that time where you need to start switching things up. Maybe things aren't working anymore. People are falling off the wagon. Um, So that's your season. So when you're in a season, really concentrate on what you want to do well during that season, because you can't do all the things all the time right? So I recommend prioritizing three major subjects. And these are the sorts of things that you would do every day. And then three minor subjects. So those can be things that maybe you're doing every other day. Maybe those are the things your children are studying independently. Maybe those are the things you're doing more hands-on field trips once a week, um, those sorts of things. And so I separate it that way. So the major subjects end up being the three things you want to make sure get done first. And that you are going to feel really satisfied at the end of the day that these are getting done, right? And then the minor subjects are the ones that sort of fill in the spaces and give us a well-rounded education and really this sort of idea of a rich education. And so those are the things that you're exploring and you're enjoying and you're covering, um, or maybe it's things that nobody really likes. So you're doing it every other day <laughs> because it's important. <laughs> right. And so, and we can talk about that also. I, I have sort of this idea of wants and needs need to be in your homeschool. But yeah, so that's the idea behind the major and minor subjects is to really prioritize for a season, dive into those. And then when you're at the end of that season, when you feel like you need to switch things up, you can reassess and you can switch those around. So you can have new major subjects for the next six weeks or 12 weeks. Um, Maybe some of them you're going to always consider a major subject. Maybe math is one of those things you're going to be doing every day for the rest of your child's education. You know, it's really up to you. That's the beauty of homeschooling. But this idea that we can focus for a certain amount of time, do some things really well, be really satisfied in the attention that they're getting, 
and be really happy that we are accomplishing exactly what we set out to accomplish without getting distracted by all the things and then trusting that we can switch it up in a few weeks, right? When we need to. I love that. Now, how have you, or have you ever encountered that feeling where you're not doing enough or somebody else looks at you and says, you know, your kid's not getting X, Y, and Z enrichment and they would be getting that in school. Have you ever had to deal with that or how do you answer that? You know, I, fortunately, because I have a PhD in neurobiology, I don't get a lot of people questioning my competence. <laughs> so I, I will say that is a really big benefit. And I, I really feel though for the moms, I will say I have three sister-in-laws who are teachers. So, you know, they quiz my kids and they ask my kids what they're doing and things like that. And there's a part of me that's wondering, are they sizing them up? Are they comparing them to what the kids in school are doing? And I don't know. They don't say anything either way. So I think everybody deals with that insecurity. But for the most part, I think the beautiful thing about being minimalist in general, the minimalist mindset is about not keeping up with the Joneses. It's about identifying what's really most needed and most loved in our own lives and then meeting those needs and those loves and throwing out all the extra, right? So I, I do remind myself and I've, now that I've been at it this way for quite some time, I'm really confident in what I'm doing because mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time thinking about what my kids need, what my kids love and really meeting those. And that brings me a lot of confidence, a lot more confidence than whether or not I compare with other homeschool moms. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So when you're applying the minimalist homeschooling methods, so we've kind of talked about how it applies to the subjects. What does it look like when you're talking about like extracurricular activities? Because I know that's something because I raised four kids and we homeschooled. That's something that we battled because so many of their kids were running nonstop to all these different activities. But when you run a business and try to homeschool, like something has to give in there. So how have you processed that over the years? Right, right. And so, and and this is where I think there's a lot of individuality about how you are going to approach this in your own homeschool and in your own life. So fortunately, my husband and I run our businesses together. So we have we own real estate, both commercial and residential real estate, and we lease those. And then we also wholesale, distribute, and sell throughout the Midwest for flooring. So it's business to business. Um, We act as sort of a sales team for flooring manufacturers and get their products and their samples into stores, flooring Mm -hmm. stores. So it's nice that it's very business to business. It's very much on our terms, you know, these sorts of things. And so I will say that my husband can be home for sports and activities. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's when I get my work done, right? So he takes the kids to activities in the evening and that's when I sit down and get a few hours of work in, in a quiet house. So I think it really depends on your situation. So we don't mind activities and actually my kids have a lot of interest. I have one child that wants to play pro sports and things like that. So keeping him away from the fields would be like torture to him. Right. And, but at the same time, it's beautiful that we homeschool because we don't have the homework struggles in the evening. They can do their activities and it doesn't feel like we're trying to cram anything in. So I will say the way that I've managed that though, is that I do often, anytime I can in the afternoon, our routine includes a quiet time for about two hours in the afternoon like two to four, one thirty to three thirty kind of time frame. Once we're mm-hmm. finished with all of our um, schoolwork for the day, my kids, my older kids may have to finish up some independent work during that time. But I try to sit down 
and get some work done or read to the little one. But we are very intentional about quiet time so that when activities ramp up, we don't feel like we've been running all day. Does that make sense? Yep. That's exactly how we did it too. After lunch, we had the two hours quiet time which is where I could catch up with stuff with the business. Mm-hmm. And that's, and my kids actually grew to appreciate that because they got to have that, that downtime. And so many kids in today's world, they just, they don't have that downtime. They go from right. school to running to activities to come home and doing homework until they crash. Right. So Yeah, absolutely. My kids really value their free time. And my oldest will say like, mom, I just need some time to be alone with my thoughts. I'm like, perfect, bud, go for it. And I do think that's missing in our culture a lot of times. And so, you know, one will go outside and shoot hoops and one wants to go meddle with his projects and one wants to curl up with mommy and that's all good. But to have these chunks of time where it's unstructured is really important to us. And then the other thing I do is in between the seasons, I make sure we have like a month of no activities and I need that. Right. So when swimming ends and basketball ends, you know, then we have a month span before little league starts and swimming starts again. And, and so I try, I really carve out those times between seasons for that month and say, we are not scheduling anything during this time, even though we could, right. Even though Mm -hmm. we could then go on all the field trips or do all the things we're going to be at home. That is so wise. So what does a typical day look like for your family? Okay. Um, so I also let my kids sleep in as long as they'd like most days, but I do require that my, so my 10 year old and 12 year old take full advantage of that at this point. But I do tell them that they have to be at the table with us by 10 Mm a.m. So I usually sit down at the table with my girls around 930. Prior to that, it's my husband and I catching up on emails, making the kids breakfast. We're really just sort of jointly taking care of kids and responding to things via email. Usually I might do some social media, those sorts of things that we can do um, are happening in the morning. So then once we all sit down at the table, we do our sort of focused work that my kids need my help with. And then we do group time and lunch sort of together. So the subjects that we're all working on together. And then after that, we have our quiet time. And then we have like, usually when we have activities, I call it first dinner. We have first dinner around four or four thirty. <laughs> then we have activities. <laughs> and then when everyone gets home before bed, we have second dinner. <laughs> and then, um, you know, sort of bath time and bedtime. And I try to get some work done in the afternoon when it's quiet and I try to get some work done in the evenings or at night after they go to bed. So that's how it looks for me. Yeah. That's awesome. So with the kids are, cause your oldest one, you said the oldest one is 12. Yes. Yes. So are they helping at all with the business yet? Or is that, are they outside of the business right now? Um, they are outside of the business right now. I have taught them like how to post things to Pinterest for, you know, my blog and things, and they want to start their own webpage and they want to start their own YouTube channel and, um, and that sort of thing. But they're, even though they have the desire, they don't really have the motivation to do the work yet. So we'll see, gotcha. maybe we'll get there. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm always like, sure, I'll show you how. And they're like, yeah, not today, mom. We, I'm like, all right, let me know when you're ready. And you know what? They will get ready on their own time. They will decide when they're ready. Yeah, for sure. They've right. been there, done that. 
But I will say when we're remodeling properties or having to do maintenance on properties, they are very involved. And um, one of our properties is like a vacation rental. So when we have to clean it between guests, if we have to clean it, if my husband or I have to clean it, the kids are with us and they're helping clean. So yeah, we do involve them in that way. But they see a lot of it. I think they hear a lot of what we talk about. And that's really, really valuable to them because they have a really good understanding of like profit margins and things like that. I think for their age. Yes. I was just talking to another homeschool CEO mom and she was talking about the same thing as she was explaining profit margin to her five-year-old because he was there and he was asking questions and he's like, okay, if you make like a hundred dollars and, but you charge, you, it cost you a hundred dollars and you're making a thousand dollars. And so he was <laughs> explaining that back to her and she was she was saying like, it blows my mind that a five-year-old can comprehend this. And I'm like, they can because they're around it. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're learning through osmosis a little bit at a time. So yeah. being, since you've been in the homeschool world for a long time, and I was the same way, what differences do you see in a entrepreneurial family that homeschools versus one that doesn't, you know, where maybe the mom is just a full-time mom and the dad goes off to work and it's, you know, at nine to five, Monday through Friday type of job. Like, how do you see the differences there? Um, You know, I think there are so many differences, um, but I think there's a different mindset when you're an entrepreneur. There's a very, we'll we'll figure it out. I I think you had the Marie Borriello, is that how you say her name? Quote up, everything is figure outable on your Instagram. And it's so true. That's such an entrepreneurial mindset, I think, is that we'll figure it out we don't freak out. Nothing's a big deal, right? Right. Like it's all just part and parcel of problem solving and getting to the next step. And so I definitely see a difference in mindset, um, between my, you know, purely stay at home mom friends versus the work at home mom homeschoolers, Right. but also it's a lifestyle flexibility. So we can travel a lot more. We like to go to Florida for really long periods of time during the winter. Um, my husband can just take the kids to the museum one day, you know? And I think that's a huge blessing that we're not tied to showing up at an office per se from nine to five every day. And so we can go when it's not so busy. We can, you know, we can have that lifestyle where my husband maybe works late, but he also leaves late in the morning and, and things like that. So that flexibility is really, really helpful. Yes, that's probably been you know, because we didn't intend to homeschool long-term, we just tried it out and it just kept working. So we kept doing it. But Mm -hmm. that's probably the one thing too, that I've really discovered is that freedom and flexibility for the entire family, you know, that I'd never realized when I was talking to other business owners, whose kids are in school, you know, as entrepreneurs, we create this lifestyle of freedom and flexibility for ourselves. And then so many of us, agree to the school systems nine, you know, eight to three Monday through Friday schedule. It's like counterintuitive of everything that we built for our families. Absolutely. That's a good way to put it. Like you, as an entrepreneur, you spent all this time creating a lifestyle and then you relinquish it <laughs> to the school system. That's going to put you now on their schedule. I, yeah, that's yeah. a really good way to put it. Yeah. I for, totally agree. Yeah. And I'm realizing, especially because of what we're going through right now in our nation with the coronavirus entrepreneurs are, you know, right now they're a little overwhelmed because they're trying to run their businesses and pivot and do all of the things with that. But, and now they're being forced to teach their kids at home, but I've had so many say, maybe I could do this. Like they never really thought that it was an option. And now they're coming to us and they're saying, okay, 
how do we make this work? Like, because they're seeing like, you know, what if, what if I didn't send my kid Monday through Friday to the school system? You know, if I didn't relinquish my time to this traditional setting, you know, what would that look like? Well, it looked mm-hmm. a little bit like it is at the moment, other than we would have the freedom to be able to go places, which, you know, obviously would be right. different. Right. And that's, that's a big deal. Like having the, the lifestyle, I think is huge because, and it's good for our kids too, because they have so much more free time. So it's not just great that they have more family time, but they have so much more free time. So like my son who wants to be an athlete, he has all this time in the afternoon to be outside running his drills and do it. And I don't make him do it. It's all like self-motivated. And I think that's awesome, right? Mm -hmm. Like he wants it, he's going after it and he has the time to do it. And I think that's a gift we give our kids when we homeschool. And if we can, you know, why not? Why not give them that gift? But yeah. I hope that there's a lot more open-mindedness after this coronavirus about the plausibility and viability of homeschooling for sure. I hope so too. That's, you know, we have our community online and it's growing every single day just because the entrepreneurs are saying like, give us examples. And that's how the podcast was born. It's bringing people like you on to say, Hey, I'm not the only one doing this. Like there's entrepreneurs all across the world, but it's kind of a lonely place. Like to, right. it is. so. You know, I've been really open because I've homeschooled for 16 years because I couldn't always go to all the co-ops and I, you know, and even when I went, I didn't connect with the other moms sometimes because I was a business owner. So I, like we were talking about, it's a different mindset. It is. And I would say the same thing. I remember going to my first like mom's prayer group when I first started homeschooling and coming home and telling my husband, I just couldn't relate because they're not having the same struggles with their time that I'm having. They don't have the same demands in their life and they don't understand sort of, because there's a lot of, well, you, it'll just have to wait, right? You have to homeschool because if you let everything else happen, you know, was the advice I was given anyways, if you let everything else happen, your homeschooling will never get done. And I'm saying, but my taxes can't wait, right? Like I have to pay taxes. I have to reconcile my accounts. I've got to get payroll out. You know, I've got to do these things. And if somebody calls me and their furnace isn't working, I have to get somebody to show up. Right. Right. So I felt like it was really like hard to relate with a lot of homeschoolers when it came to what I was struggling with. My specific, you know, pain points were unique. We are unique. Hence why we have homeschool CEO community now, (laughs) because we are unique and you are not alone. So over the years, then where have you found community? Oh goodness. I think you find the one or two moms that you really connect with and you rely on and who get it. Yeah. You know, even if they're not necessarily entrepreneurs, there are some people who can see the problem from your perspective Mm -hmm. and still sort of be there for you and be support. And, um, yeah, I'd say that's my biggest thing is sort of finding my group. And like you said, I stopped going to co-ops because it wasn't a good use of my time. When I started sitting down and saying, okay, what's high impact for us? If I have, so I like to say, everybody asks, how do I get everything done? And I like to say, it's the better question is how will you do the best with the time you have available? Yes. Right. Because you have a finite amount of time. So what's the best use of that time? Stop trying to say, how am I going to get it all done and say, okay, here's the time I have. What's the best thing I can do with that time? 
And I think when we sit down and we do that, for some of us, things like co-ops are going to fall off because like I said, my kids are doing evening activities. So it wasn't meeting a need for Mm -hmm. us. It may meet a need for another family. And so I think once you have this minimalist homeschooling mindset, there's a lot less judgment. It's because it's a values thing, right? So what's valuable to me says nothing about, you know, what's valuable to you being wrong, right, or indifferent, right? Like, I'm not going to change my values just because Susie down the street has a different value for her time, right? Right. So I think it's a lot easier to stand confident once you think about, okay, I have me, I'm a limited resource. (laughs) How do I, how do I make the most of me? (laughs) Like, how do I give the most back? And for me going to a co-op once a week, wasn't doing it. I'm with you. I'm, I was in the same boat. So when we're talking about minimalist homeschooling, I think a lot of people approach it like it's a curriculum it's, you know, and, but I love how you say it's a mindset that you can apply to like Charlotte Mason, you can apply to unschooling. So can you talk a little bit about how do you apply it to the different types of homeschooling methods? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I will never prescribe a curriculum because it's all about what you most want and most need and removing the extra so that you can focus on what's most important right now. Right. So there's always this caveat of right now and trusting that there's plenty of time to get to everything. If we're constantly looking at what's most important right now, then we will always be satisfied with the value of the education we're giving our kids. So I think with Charlotte Mason, let's let's try that. With Charlotte Mason, it's really easy to get overwhelmed, especially when you look at the P and EU schedules and all of these things, and they want to dictate, you know, the 15-minute increments and this, that, and the other. And I think as an entrepreneur, when you're used to having a flexible schedule and you have other demands and you can't stick to a rigorous schedule, and then there are 1,500 books you're supposed to be reading, mm-hmm. it can get really, really overwhelming. And so I think with any of them, but like Charlotte Mason, you go in and you say, okay, what do we most need and most love right now? How am I going to give my child a love for their education and also meet their needs, right? And how do I focus on their strengths and really help them reach their potential and meet their needs so that you know their potential isn't limited by what I neglected to teach them? So I think that um, you know when you're looking at any curriculum, feel free to skip parts. Feel free to quit if it's not working. Spend your time on something more valuable. Feel free to say, you know what, I'm going to take this part and leave the other part. I think with unschooling, the idea would be to get really intentional about it. Because I think with unschooling, you could do anything all day long and everything all day long. Right. And if you're the type of homeschooler where you feel like you're doing a whole lot and you're really busy, but you're not sure what you accomplished, then minimalist homeschooling works well because it helps you rein that in and focus on, okay, what are our most important things? And it's okay for your most important thing right now to be creativity. Mm -hmm. It's okay for your most important thing right now to be self-discipline. You know, okay, then how are you going to accomplish that? It doesn't always have to be subjects, right? And so if you're an unschooler, you can say, I really want to, you know, nurture um, curiosity right now. How can I do that? What, how am I going to be really intentional with the time that I have to make sure that's happening? I love that. Yeah. So can you give us like a practical example? So let's take curiosity as an unschooler. Mm -hmm. If you're, that's your, that's your goal. That's your major. That's what you're trying to accomplish. What would your day look like for something like that? Because I can hear our audience saying, okay, that's great, but I'm lost. Like what, what is that next practical step? Right, right. And I I think this goes with, you know, brainstorming it for yourself. But, you know, if I were, you know, talking to someone and they said, well, I really want my kid to 
be curious, you know, the first question is, when is your child most curious? When do you see that spark ignited in them and do more of that? Right. Mm -hmm. So there's this idea that we do more of what works and less of what's not working. (laughs) Like we can simplify (laughs) a lot that way. Instead of thinking about what we should be doing, let's just think about what works and let's do it. And so then there are ideas and you can brainstorm ideas about like, well, maybe I make sure that we are going on field trips to museums. Maybe Mm -hmm. I am making sure that we have an hour, three times a week where we're just outside with unstructured time so that they can ask questions. Maybe I start a curiosity jar where they write down their questions and I make sure that every Friday we pull out a question and we deep dive into what they're curious about. Maybe they're older and we put all their questions in a jar and on Friday they're given a written writing assignment for the next week. They have to research it themselves and figure it out and do a writing assignment or a presentation or a play or something else creative you know, and so the age of your child matters. And then, you know, what's going to, what's it going to look like for you is up to you, but you can definitely brainstorm. And, you know, I do have a Facebook group. And so I would love if people came in there and was like, listen, I want to nourish curiosity in my kid, give me all your great ideas. And then you pick and choose what's going to work for your child. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that because I think sometimes people just need like to see it practical so that they can take Mm -hmm. that as a springboard for the next thing. Right. So good. So I guess my last question is then for an entrepreneur who is not yet homeschooling and they kind of have this mindset. I mean, right now, obviously everybody does have their kids at home, but they're looking at it long-term, but they're going, it's just so much work. Like, I don't think I can do it. Like, what would you tell them if you were just sitting down for coffee with them and encouraging their heart? Like, what would you say to them? Oh goodness. Um, so why, why are they nervous about it? Like, why do they think they can't do it? I think it's because they've really seen that stereotypical homeschool mom who that homeschooling is their entire life. Like I always tell people like, I love my kids, but I'm an entrepreneur first and a homeschool mom second. Like I didn't find my identity in homeschooling necessarily because I was an entrepreneur. It didn't mean I was a bad homeschooling mom. I loved homeschooling, but I was an entrepreneur first. And so, you know, just talk to those moms who are going, this is just too much work. You like, because they see maybe Susie Homemaker who... That is what she They're does. making sourdough bread. Yes, 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 yes. Making sourdough <laughs> bread from scratch, you know, gardening all day long and just homesteading it, <laughs> you know, that kind of- You're going to get all these comments like, wait a minute, I make sourdough. No, I mean, we've all got I our thing, yeah. but we can't have all the things, yes, right? Yes, So yeah, I feel the same way. Like I'm not an entrepreneur because I homeschool. It's more like I homeschool because I'm an entrepreneur. Yes. And this is- this is what I believe in. I believe in figuring it out. I believe in sort of living the life you imagined, right? And I believe in being able to choose what you're going to do with your time and with your talent. And um, I think that the first thing you really have to do is, I think, talk to somebody about logistically how this can work. And so we already talked about logistically how my schedule works, and that's not going to work for everybody. But, you know, I think that where there's a will, there's a way. And as soon as you give someone permission, like I would give them permission to first of all, take some time to figure it out. Like second of all, ask all the questions. Right. And lastly, like it's okay to not figure it out right away. It's okay to take a year to get your groove. Like your kids aren't learning nothing during that time, right? right? They're they're still learning and they're still getting a whole lot more one-on-one attention than they, they would get in a school system. So um, I think that, 
you know, giving them permission to be imperfect is usually where I go first. That we're so used to being, I think as entrepreneurs, we're very high achievers. And when I resisted homeschooling, I literally remember telling my sister, I'm the type of person who gives 150%. Yep. And I don't think I could give 150% to my businesses and to my children's education. And so I don't think I could do it. That was my hang up until I realized that my kids aren't getting 150% in a school system. Right. Not even close not even close. And so redefining how 150% looks to you, like what is excellence to you? What is success to you? Because it's never about doing enough. That's a carrot on a stick. You'll never reach enough because there's no definition for enough. It's just a moving target. There's always more you could do, should do, would do, can do. And so I think to get really clear on what exactly do we want to be giving our kids and then how valuable that is and how we're the best ones to do that. I think that's really what changed my mindset the most is that, you know what? I may not feel like I'm giving everything 150% anymore, but what I'm giving is so valuable. Oh, yes. Preach. That is so good. Yeah. I think that's when the turning point came for me too. It's probably like four or five years into homeschooling. Actually, I went through a burnout stage and we call it the mom sabbatical where I cut every activity out for six months because I was so Mm -hmm. burned out, literally couldn't go anymore. And that's exactly what I had to do was really redefine what success looked like. Like for our family. And when I had to own that and be like, I had to be proud of our success and what that meant for raising four kids and running successful businesses and everything that that entails. And that's a good point. I mean, as entrepreneurs, we're setting specific goals, right? And as moms, you don't get that accolade. You don't get that sense of accomplishment. You don't, you know, there aren't these milestones. I mean, sure you celebrate birthdays, but I mean, (laughs) how do you measure your milestones? Right. And so, or whether or not you're growing or progressing. And I think that once you start wrapping your head around what success looks like for a child and for their development, it's totally different than what you see in schools. It's not a straight A report card anymore. Oh, so good. So good. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. So tell our audience where they can connect with you, find you, um, get in your circle. Sure. Sure. So I blog at ZaraPhD.com. I'm on Instagram as ZaraPhD. I'm on Facebook at Minimalist Homeschooling. And I have a group called Minimalist Homeschooling with ZaraPhD. Love it. And I'll make sure to link all of that below as well as your book. Um, It's on Amazon. So I'll link that as well for you. Um, I highly recommend it to everybody. I recommend it to all of the new homeschooling moms that I know. I honestly, (laughs) honest to goodness, I do because I love it. It's on loan right now to one of my friends who's so overwhelmed with everything. I'm like, oh, if you're doing, if it's, (laughs) if homeschooling feels hard, you're doing it wrong. That's true. I always say it doesn't have to feel complicated. It's really not. It's when you break it down to what is needed and what's loved, it gets so much simpler. Yes, I agree. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Wow. I hope you were as blown away by Zara's approach and perspective as I was. Seriously, ladies, if you haven't yet, I highly recommend heading over to Amazon. I'll put the link below. Purchase the Minimalist Homeschooling book. I think it's like 12 or $13. I read it in one day. It is full of thought-provoking questions that will really help you zero in on how to choose what is important to your family during this season. 
I love how Zara said, I'm not an entrepreneur because I homeschool. I homeschool because I'm an entrepreneur. Did you resonate with how she said, I believe in the choice to choose how we spend our time. I believe in choosing what is the best use for our skills and our talents and for our children. If Zara's message of minimalist homeschooling resonated with you, I would encourage you to reach out to her. Let her know that you heard her on the podcast here today. And if you enjoyed this interview, reach out to me on Instagram at homeschool CEO and let me know. You know, if you prefer me solo or interviews or a mix of both, I want to hear from you because you are what makes Homeschool CEO so incredibly special. Thank you. And I'll see you next week. Hey friend, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in today. If you loved what you heard, please be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I really appreciate it. And for more information on connecting with other homeschool CEOs just like you, be sure to check out our website at www.homeschoolceo.com. And as always, Team Homeschool CEO, you ladies inspire me. Thank you for always showing others what is possible. You guys are awesome. See you next week.